0: Judge Cass. My name is Cedar Schrader. This is episode number 58. With me as always my two beautiful co-hosts. First up we have Jess Dunks. Hey Jess. Oh is that my trigger? Yeah.
1: <laughs> this, is Je- this is Jess from, like uh, from California.
2: <laughs> us also is uh, Brian. Hello. Hey. I'm Brian from West New Smyrna. Oh great. Uh, and then also a very special guest our first
0: guest, Asterix, that's been on here two times, James Bennett.
3: This is James Bennett in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is James Bennett doing here? James, <laughs> who are you? Where are you from? Uh, level three from Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, fantastic. You weren't level three last time you were on, is that correct? I can't remember. I was not. I was level Ooh. two at the time.
2: I like to think congratulations pushed him over. That's probably
1: that, it. That would be a lie. Well, let's yeah, look at the put it on his resume first. Okay, right? Like being on Judge Cast is now part of the checklist, right? Yeah. I actually left that
3: off my application. I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Sean I Kananese heard. was level two when he started Judge Cast. No, level three. And
2: he still made level three despite it. <laughs> yeah. We weren't on it at the time, so it didn't quite have the same stigma.
0: <laughs> I'm, still li- I'm still laughing at Jess's trigger joke. <laughs> I think that was funny.
2: Um, <laughs> I didn't think it was that funny. I, I,
0: well, whatever. It got me. It just got me, right? I didn't see it coming. All
1: right, coming. all right. I was, I was like,
0: I was like, where'd he go? Did you go to the bathroom or something? He knows we're about to start. And then, uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about the thing everybody's talking about, and that's the new IPG.
2: Oh, I thought it was going to be the blackout at the Super Bowl.
0: I didn't even watch the Super Bowl, so I don't know. The new IPG, and specifically the new trigger policy that comes with it, although we'll talk about all of the new documents. So with that being said, let's dive right in. This new trigger policy is um, hopefully the last one, but... Ever? Ever.
2: Forever ever?
0: Ever. Until we get, like, double face triggers. But...
2: <laughs> What's a double, the double face? face? I don't
1: know. Is a wow. that flips over on the stack and becomes a different trigger? Yeah,
0: if you <laughs> cast, like,
2: two spells...
1: Oh, but a a bit. Bit. in order to represent it, they'll, they'll put in new kinds of trigger tokens in the pack. <laughs>
2: nice! And then you can play like whatever the new moon mist equivalent is for triggers and the trigger will flip over <laughs> while it's on the stack.
1: It'll be oh god! Different.
0: This is perfect, but what if you forget to flip your double-faced trigger? Alright, <laughs> anyway. So this policy is actually very similar to the previous policy, uh, but a lot of stuff has been clarified. So as a as a quick summary, uh, you still can't purposefully miss your own triggers. If uh, you no longer, or you still do not need to point out your opponent's trigger. You never need to do that. And how we resolve a trigger that has been missed is mostly the same. We'll talk about it a little bit more. So I think the big change in this, in this, the the biggest change to take away is how we determine whether or not a trigger was missed. Right. Yep. Used to be, it was just player did anything to move past the point where the trigger would have resolved, we basically say it was missed, uh, without acknowledging the trigger or demonstrating awareness in any way. Now, we have a set of rules that that help us govern how to determine whether or not a trigger was missed.
2: So, one of, one of the things... Uh, or one of the reasons for the change is because while the rules for Mistrigger before were very nice and precise and clean and simple they didn't mirror the way people play the game so much uh not everyone is is a robot and plays a technically perfect game of of magic so uh uh it was causing a lot of situations where they technically missed the trigger but it wasn't forgotten they were aware of it and they had just done something where it was like oh gotcha and we wanted to to uh minimize those feel bad moments uh, as well as reduce confusion as to when triggers are actually missed
3: and also it kind of kind of flipped the line on its head in a way. You know, policy never really said this, but the way a lot of people played was they just sort of assumed a trigger is missed unless my opponent proves that he remembered it. Right. And, you know, that that leads to some unfortunate things. We, We went through this with lapsing a little bit as well, where it was almost kind of a race to see, can I point out my trigger before my opponent shoots his hand up in the air and calls for a judge? And kind of turned that on its head because now if you, if you look at the policy, it's very clear. And I think Toby in some of his blog posts even actually put it this way is we're now assuming the trigger was remembered and resolved correctly until we have proof that it wasn't. Yeah. And, and I think and that's we, a great we way. We have a lot more leeway now as far as yeah. like the line now is, is the first time it would have a visible effect on the game is when we care about whether you've brought it up.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that's a great way to uh take it away. So the rest of this is how we we technically determine that. If you just kind of think of it like how James just said, that's that's basically the policy in a nutshell. Yeah.
3: So almost, like that, that is going to that is going to change the way people play a little bit because now like, you know, say your opponent has a 1-1 one, one exalted mm-hmm. and you've got, you know, a 2-2 two, two, and a 3-3 three, three that you could block with. Mm-hmm. And he attacks with his little exalted dude, and he doesn't say anything. used to be you would probably try and argue that he'd missed that trigger right and Now, what you wanna do is you know make the strategically correct play, block with your three three and then if he demonstrates awareness of his awareness of his trigger by the correct time, which is damage assignment, then okay, you made the correct play, and if he doesn't, oh well, you get a bonus that you get to really stomp his dude right. Like basically, it's encouraging you to make tactically correct plays, and every once in a while, you get a nice little "Oh, my opponent forgot his trigger," and that turned out even better.
0: So, someone grab the the first way we ter- we determine whether or not a trigger has been missed.
2: Okay. So, well, the the things that, or or rather, it's it's actually a list of things that you need to do, and then at the end it says if you haven't done any of these, then it's missed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. And there, is, there
3: is one very important thing that you can do that's not in that bulleted list in the IPG. What's that? You can say something. What? About your trigger. You could just. You can communicate <laughs> with your opponent. That's weird.
2: Yeah. yeah, early, before, before these points,
3: so we're defining. Yeah, so before we even get to this point, you could like point to the card and say,
2: trigger. So this one's, this one's actually, so one of the things that you do to prove that your trigger happened or that's going to naturally, naturally happen is a triggered ability, uh, that requires its controller to choose targets. And there's a, there's an exception to that, but it, but you have to choose targets, modes, or other choices that are made when the ability is put on the stack. You say those choices. Okay. The exception is. Target opponent, because in a one-on-one game, which is pretty much what the IPG cares about, target opponent should be pretty obvious. Yep. Just saying. And not
3: target player, but
2: target opponent. Yep, right. So
3: normally By the time you only have one of those.
0: And then people have been bringing up two-headed giant, but let's just not. There's not going to be a competitive. There are not many, if any, competitive two-headed giant. Events.
1: The IPG is as I understand it doesn't actually address two-headed giant or any any uh, multiplayer format. Correct. It only deal with two-player formats. Oh, so
2: we did we at at Pro Tour Philly there was a side event, two-headed giant event run at competitive and it was not Something I would ever recommend again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
0: feels like everyone would just get GRV'd out, like, so fast.
2: Or deck deck list problems, because yeah. you have deck lists. Yep. Yeah. Or you just run out of space
3: on the back of the penalty slip.
1: Yeah. yeah. This happened a lot when we tried to run our, our Team Sealed event, that we had, you know, six players on one match slip and way too many penalties. We we did, in fact, try to run a Team Sealed event in competitive RL, which turned out to be a really bad idea.
2: I've just got this mental image of a scorecard getting like a match slip with another blank match slip <laughs> behind it. Just, what is this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So an example of that first situation is a card like Boros Reckoner, which reads, uh, whenever a Boros Reckoner is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target creature or player because it has a target. If, if Boros Reckoner takes damage and then you end up passing priority past the point where that trigger would have resolved, you missed it. Sorry, because you need to you need to declare that target when it goes right on the stack. So the basically the moment you pass priority pass when it would have gone on the stack means it's too late because it has choice. Yep. Okay, someone tackled so This is next? the one
1: that changed. This is the one that changed the least, right? From the, from the yeah, that sounds pretty much like yeah. like the old right. days. So so anything that requires target uh, modes or other choices when it would trigger basically when it would go on the stack after it triggered, mm-hmm. then that's yep. exactly the same as before. Unless it says target deployment. Right, just tackle this next one. So a triggered ability that causes a change in the visible game state or requires a choice upon resolution. And visible game state does include life totals. These triggers require the controller to take appropriate action, physical action, to make it clear that the action was, uh, the choice is made before taking any game actions. So before casting a spell or moving to the next step, that way they can they can demonstrate that it's been done when it should have resolved.
0: Yeah, and when you say casting a spell you mean like a, a
1: sorcery or A sorcery a spell. Trigger. Yeah, I'm sorry, a yeah. non-instant spell. A a sorcery or something along those lines. Yeah, if you if you uh, cast an instant, you could be responding to the trigger. Right. And
0: basically we assume you are. Be, yeah. Like if you don't say anything, we we're going to assume if you cast an instant <laughs> or activate an ability, we're just assume you're responding to it. Right. So, some uh, easy examples of that in Gatecrash are Evolve, which has a visual effect of putting the counter on the creature, and then also Extort, which has the visual effect of making your opponent lose one life and you're gaining one life. Both of these are, you know, if I have a guy with Extort down and I cast any random spell, uh, I can cast Instance to my heart's content, but the next time I play another creature or Sorcery, that
1: Extort trigger is missed. Right. All right. Now... This assumes you cannot play sorceries at instant speed, but oh, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> so so in, the, in the rare circumstance where you could cast yeah. your sorceries as though they had flash, <laughs> you, you could cast a sorcery in response. So the RPG is not saying you can't.
2: Yeah. Another another big one would be like Geist of St. Draft, right? Putting yeah. the, uh, the token, hey, I got a dude.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, that, that's obviously visible, putting a token down. Yep. So the next one is uh, that if you have a trigger that... Can I do this one? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. It's all a yours,
3: James. A trigger that changes the rules of the game. I love these. Yeah. These are fun. Do you, you mean you have to? <laughs> you have to prevent your opponent from taking any actions that would be illegal with that rules change. <clears throat> so the example here is everybody's favorite card, Pyreheart Wolf.
2: When you say favorite.
0: Yeah, what do you mean?
3: Which like, I like Aton a-, a lot. It has an ability that changes the rules of the game. Oh. Uh, because it sets up some blocking restrictions and because of the way the game rules work, this actually is a rules change temporarily that it's causing. So, Pyreheart Wolf, you attack with it and your opponent like pushes forward one creature and says, block? you need to interrupt him at that point and say, no, 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 you don't get to block like that. If you let him go ahead and declare his blockers and you're doing other stuff and it's like, oh, wait, you couldn't block like that. Now that's too late. Yeah. So ba- basically, yeah, the, the first time that this rule change caused by the effect would show up. Uh, so, you know, Fireheart, Wolf, you you can't let them illegally block if you want to have your trigger. Right. And that solves a whole lot of things because there were lots and lots of people arguing about, well, what if you attack with Pyre Heart Wolf and you don't say anything and I wait for a few seconds and then I flash a Restoration Angel and then I do this other thing? Aren't we past that point? Well, no. And until I've let you declare blockers in a way that's not compatible with Pyre Heart Wolf, I haven't missed that trigger. And as long as I interrupt you when you try to declare blockers, it's good. Right.
2: right. And, and again, it goes back to the whole assume that the trigger happened until you have evidence to, you know, you have evidence otherwise. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like, oh well, how can I, how can I get my opponent? What can I say or do? to get my opponent to miss this trigger. No.
3: And Of course, the, the really tricky question now is, you attack with Pyroheart Wolf, and I know about its trigger, and I try to block with only one creature, do I get DQ'd for cheating? A lot of people uh, are actually asking this, because they're saying, well, you know that what you're doing is illegal, and you're trying to do it anyway. Isn't that cheating?
1: Uh, it's only illegal if the trigger has resolved. Right. So if you, it's not your responsibility to remind them that that trigger is there as the opponent. So if you are, if they haven't demonstrated awareness of the trigger, you can continue to work under the assumption that, that, that they have missed the trigger until they demonstrate awareness of it. Now, once they've demonstrated awareness of it, yes, continuing to try and ignore it would be cheap.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay, basically, I wouldn't put it in terms of what you can assume. I would just put it in terms of just triggers in general are invisible and tricky and people don't always remember them. And I don't think we really want to waste the time of having to launch a cheating investigation every single time somebody attacks with a pyre wolf. Yeah. I mean, if you think that's a useful, you know, way to spend your time at a tournament, then feel free, but it's not worth it. <laughs> we're, we're not,
2: yeah. You what feel I, that it's worth your time, but it's not. Like, if
3: I'm, if I'm just going to find a match where somebody's playing mono red and stand over it and start a cheating investigation every combat phase, there are better things I can be doing at this tournament.
0: Maybe not. <laughs> so what I like about this, this, uh, particular part of the policy too is it, is it covers Emrakul's extra turn, which I feel like has always been handled a little weird under policy, particularly under lapsing triggers. It, it was odd because it wasn't lapsing. That's the past. But yeah, so Emrakul's extra turn trigger is the exact same. It, it modifies the rules of the game. Uh, this would also cover frontline medic, I do believe, who reads whenever frontline medic and at least two other creatures attack creatures you control are indestructible this turn. You don't have to mention that until that it a,
3: matter that is a game rules change yep. yep um anything that makes something indestructible or unblockable because that's not actually a characteristic is changing the rules of the game
0: right now getting something flying would be a
3: uh yeah visual effect yep. visible yep. Or, or would be would be a characteristic change
1: yeah we actually uh i think we discussed that quite a lot in our last episode with uh boros charm and we did. spotlight we did yeah Oh, no Glaring Spotlight, you're so fun. <laughs> I know. I love activating it and playing creatures afterwards.
3: And Teleportal. Don't forget Teleportal.
1: Ah, uh, yes. So, I'll take the I'll take the very last
0: one of these, uh, which James already kind of ruined at the beginning. But, if a trigger has no visual impact, the game state, the owner must make it clear the trigger resolved the first time that trigger would matter, basically. So, and the big example going around is Exalted. It's exactly like James said, if I swing with a, a a 2-1 Exalted, and don't say anything, that's fine up until the point where you either block or take damage, at which point I had to mention that you took three damage. If I so don't... I
1: have a, I have a, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, you're right. good. I just have a question about this. Uh, like, this is actually a legitimate question for me, because I'm not 100% sure I know the answer. What, uh, if let's say I have a 1-1 creature with Exalted and I attack... And my opponent makes the strategically correct play, and he blocks with his three three. And I say, okay, and I put my one one creature in the graveyard. Uh, and then later in the turn, I try to gut shot his three three and say, oh, it took two damage from my exalted guy. What what happens? I would say
0: you missed the trigger, and it only took one. Hmm. Do you guys agree? Because you you didn't. I mean, you had to make it clear that the trigger resolved the first time it would. Yeah, matter. but this is
1: but this is the first time it would matter. When it was only dealing two damage to a three three, it wouldn't matter. James. I'm waiting to hear what you guys say.
0: I just said it. Aww. Get out of here with that L three tactic. Just tell us. I want to hear your <laughs> answer. That is my answer. I'm still saying it. I'm sticking to if it. If you,
2: if you, if you, if all you do is just attack with, I, th- I think that given the new policy of you're assuming that the trigger happened uh until something is done to indicate otherwise, then you would have to assume that it took the two.
1: Well, it looks like we got an old fashioned disagreement. Th- which um, I think I'm falling on the side of that creature took the two unless something else happened that would indicate that I forgot it. So James. I think all of us have, have weighed in on this. Yeah. Brian and I are in the in the he gets his trigger camp, and CJ is in the no screw him, he doesn't get his trigger camp. So, <laughs> yeah, so CJ, CJ is CJ hates fun.
3: I see do. CJ uh, is arguing that the first time it affected the game in a visible fashion was when it marked damage on the thing that blocked it,
1: right? Uh, yeah, and I I yeah. that was my argument as as the theoretical player in this in this situation. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay. Answer. <laughs> okay. Um, well I guess that's uh that's just gonna be out there then. We're we can't
0: unsure. not have an answer. We can't pull the hey, what do you think, listeners? Send us an email. We can't do that every show. <laughs>
1: yes we can. <laughs> no we can't.
0: <laughs> James, you are Absolutely. on this episode to answer these questions.
2: <laughs>
3: I am Yeah. And
2: for your beautiful Dulc- beard. Uh, dulcet tones.
3: Dulcet ton- tones. Huh? Yeah. I thought you just brought me on because you liked me. No. Somewhat. Maybe a little.
1: Yeah, maybe a little. Well, everybody but CJ, you know. He uh sent me an email. I was like, oh, we should get that James Bennett guy, even though I don't like it. Well I hate fun
0: and James Bennett is the is the like embodiment of fun, so
1: (laughs) so (laughs) C J am
3: i I gonna have to kick you out of an IRC channel now. Uh, (sighs) Oh it's getting personal. Are you really not answering this, James? I'm not really sure that there is a clear answer in the IPG right now. I mean, it's, it's really kind of a corner case.
1: I don't think anything that has to do with attacking with a, an exalted creature and then also playing a damage spells accordingly, yeah. that's going to happen pretty frequently. Like
3: honestly, I think the, the, I think when this happens, most of the time there's going to be enough communication that we're going to know one way or another. It's not just going to be two players, you know, sitting there silently drilling holes into each other's skulls with their eyes as they try to stare down the trigger. Nah, I get that there
1: are some places right, well, that, mm, but yeah, but I mean, like imagine the situation where two players don't speak the same language. One guy's gonna go, oh, okay, this dies, or or indicate that it dies, but he's not gonna say two damage necessarily. Um, All right, let's talk about other notes on Trigger. <laughs> now, now it's starting to become a corner
0: case. I done, but, it is, it is a corner
1: but case. I, I really. I, okay, I will go ahead and leave it at, that's a corner case, even though I disagree. Yeah.
0: So speaking of corner cases, there's some other, so basically everything we just discussed is most of what you need to know about the trigger policy. Uh, we'll get into how to fix missed triggers or forgotten triggers in, in just a little bit, but there are some other, uh, minor, I don't want to say changes, but, but things we should, we should discuss. So there's this, there's just a few assumptions based on, on triggers. So if a trigger ability does nothing except Set up a delayed trigger. We always assume it resolved. Players don't need to communicate that that one resolved. However, they still need to figure out to mention the delayed trigger. So a lot of these are, um whenever blank dies, bring it back during blank blank time. Uh, like Loyal Cathar is an example. Uh, whenever- are
3: exiling goes. the Geist of Saint Draft token at the end of combat. Well. Yeah. It's a delayed triggered ability that just moves an object.
0: No, that, that doesn't apply to what I'm saying right now, because this is talking about triggered abilities that do nothing except set up delayed triggers. Okay. So they have to... Now, what you're saying does apply in, like, the thing I'm going to say in, like, five minutes, but not right oh, now.
3: I was reading ahead in the
0: script, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, like, like loyal Cathar, Brave whatever. Betrayal. And grave Betrayal. Yep. So whenever a creature dies, bring it back at the beginning of the end step, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, it's setting up the delayed trigger of at the beginning of the end step or whatever, bring that creature back. A lot of people don't notice that there's another trigger in there, but there is. Okay, cool. <laughs> I guess that's good. <laughs> Next one: triggered abilities that do nothing but create copies of spells or abilities are automatically assumed to resolve, but you must still show awareness of the whatever the copy was, following the same rules we mentioned. So if it if it requires a target, right, you have to choose a target for it, even even though it's a spell, not a trigger.
2: Right. So it's like technically the trigger is putting the spell on the stack, and then the spell resolves at the appropriate time. Yeah. But that's not really the way people think about it they think of them as like cipher you know it's hey when i get uh when i deal combat damage to my opponent i get this thing so it's it's yeah you know they're they're basically combining the trigger and the resolution of the spell that they get from the trigger so yeah. In those particular cases, we treat them the same, we treat them together as a lump. Mm-hmm. And an example
0: from Gatecrash is Illusionist Bracers, which reads, whenever an ability of a quick creature is activated, if it isn't a man ability, copy that ability, may choose new targets for the copy. Effectively, you don't need to mention when you activate an ability that the trigger that copies the ability happened. You need to mention that the copy of the ability is on the stack. Yep. Uh, and the big one actually is Storm.
3: So that's actually a fun one. Storm? Yeah. So, you know, say I cast a bunch of rituals and lotus petals and cantrips and stuff, and then I've I've got you know a storm count of like fifteen or whatever, and then I just flop down tendrils of agony and say, "Tendrils, you," mm-hmm. and just sit there. Yes,
2: I'm waiting for you to die. Yes. So. Yeah, that yeah, you're, my opponent that means calls you're... a judge and
3: is like, "Judge, has he
1: missed the trigger?" No
2: has he done anything um uh that would indicate that he has missed that trigger? No.
1: What's so sure you-, the opponent, you just go, tendrils
2: resolve. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah.
1: So that that no longer so, works basically what like you saying? the
3: the nice thing about that is that's a good example because I'm not gonna do anything else after I cast tendrils. I'm not gonna go and like play a land or cast a sorcery or something. Because I think you're dead. I think the game's over. So like I've I've had people ask me how can you tell if a storm trigger is missed? Like under this policy, you would have to be really bad at magic to miss a storm trigger. Yes, because usually storm means the game is ending.
2: Right. And, and then you is, if you try to play basically
3: that, there's only like what, one storm spell that gets played that doesn't actually win the game on the spot. What spell is that. Fluster storm.
2: Oh. Ah. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out too. There's Dragonstorm too. You I mean you might actually have to swing with the thing? <laughs> yeah,
3: Dragonstorm. We we might have to do a little bit yeah, of work.
2: A little bit of work with the Dragonstorm. Yeah, like
3: I tendrils you, <laughs> or I brain freeze you, or I grape shot you. And I guess. Emperor hey, Laura. man.
2: Even even with uh, brain freeze, you have to pass the turn. That's yeah. work. It yeah. make you draw that empty library
3: yeah but ba- basically like i think you're dead so i'm obviously not going to take any actions past the point when this should have had a an effect a visible effect right because i think the game's over so i'm not taking any more game actions so it's gonna be really really hard to try to argue that i missed it
0: right so out of order sequencing still applies it always did before, yep. but now they added a line to specifically call it out so that people know for sure you can out of order sequence your triggers and still not miss them.
2: Which is also, is also applicable in the whole storm thing when people are like, so does your tendrils resolve? It's like, yeah. And you've got these other 15 copies, you know, also it's like, ah, oh, well, no, you yeah. said it resolved. Yeah. Wah, ha, ha, ha. No.
3: Yeah. Or you, you know, something like, you know, I cast a blood braid elf and I actually you know, set it down on the table, and my phone was like, oh, you put it on the battlefield, that means it resolved.
2: You forgot to cascade. Mwahaha. No. And, and oh, by the way, Judge Deck Deckless problem. (laughs) It's legacy. Oh, that's my problem bringing.
3: Jund is is a thing, and I brought
2: a modern deck to a legacy tournament. Crap.
3: Crap. Jund uh, Jund won the uh, Star City Open in Atlanta Mm me. I wasn't there. Yeah. John is a thing in Legacy. It was was a GP Denver. It was all over the place.
0: But hey, what if a trigger had no impact on the game? What do we do? (laughs) Like Chasm Drake, which reads, whenever Chasm Drake attacks, target creature you control gaze flying until end of turn. What if it attacks all by itself and it's your only creature? And since it's already printed with flying, are we going to make the people point out that trigger?
3: Well, if you're aware of it and you don't point it out and choose a target, isn't that cheating?
1: Don't, don't, don't get out. Get out
2: of
1: my event. Sorry, you did not give your flying creature flying? Yeah. And you knew it was supposed to get flying, so I need you to write a statement. My event is irresponsible. Explaining
3: why you did this. The integrity of my event has been compromised beyond all hope by you not giving flying to your flying creature.
0: So to be clear, we're, we're given a specific exception for situations like this, where the trigger has absolutely no impact on the game. Now, this doesn't mean we can be like, well... If he had resolved all of these, I mean, but he was going to win anyway. So, you know, this trigger didn't matter. It doesn't mean like that. It means like this trigger says to sacrifice a creature and I have no creatures. We're not going to make you call out that trigger. Yeah.
2: Gain, gain, I have platinum imperion in play at the beginning, you know, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, gain a life.
0: You yeah. Know?
3: Mm, no. It's
0: okay to miss your own trigger for that situation.
3: So uh, it's not so much like you're not missing the trigger. Everything that should have happened in the game has happened.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the philosophy a little bit, although I think we really covered it. So mostly I just want to read this one um, line that Toby <laughs> posted in his article, which, by the way, we will have a link to Toby's articles. The one that he put in twice? Yes. and He wrote three articles. <laughs> and uh, James Bennett's article, too, because I think it's very good. And the one on the mothership, too. Why not? All the articles.
3: By Matt K. Back.
0: About all this stuff.
3: Rules manager, Matt Tabak, dipping his toes into policy.
0: I know. It's a scary world for him, I bet. So- <clears <clears <throat> no, and some eight-foot-tall
3: maniac.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> he actually did delve into policy the first time we had uh, an issue with this triggers, when they yeah. tried to change the policy, and then they went, wait, never mind, that's not going into effect. Uh, that was actually mostly him that was putting out information saying, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Mm, all right. Also, Matt Tabak is, like, literally 20 feet tall.
0: He
2: is literally possibly a million feet tall. With without exaggeration or hyperbole, right, he I'm is six foot three, the, and
0: yeah. he's
3: way taller than me. He, he towers over people.
0: Yeah. Yes. Anyway, triggered abilities are soon to be remembered until otherwise indicated, and the impact on the game state may not be immediately apparent. The opponent's benefit is in not having to point out triggered abilities, although this does not mean that they can cause triggers to be missed. If an opponent requires information about the precise timing of a triggered ability or needs details about a game object that may be affected by a resolved triggered ability, that player may need to acknowledge that ability's existence before his controller does. And that and that uh, reinforces everything we were talking about earlier. It, it's best if you just assume the opponent's trigger resolved. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, well, and
3: sometimes Sometimes that means you accidentally remind them about their trigger. And yes. that's not a bug. That's not a flaw.
0: Right. Say say you have a Selesnya Charm in hand, and they're swinging with three three, and they have two exalted guys out, right? But they don't say yeah. anything. Well, you want to use Selesnia Charm's uh, exile target creature with power five or greater ability. You're gonna have yep. to ask, did exalted resolve? You're just gonna to have to point it out. There's no way to try to trick them yep. into missing it.
3: You're just gonna. Have- or with Dimir Charm, which is you know creature power two or less. <clears throat> okay, yeah. You obviously want to be responding before that trigger resolves. Right. Because you don't want that creature to get bigger. Yeah. so you're you're going to have to actually communicate with your opponent yes why would you do that and like this is like this is something that people have shown a surprising amount of reluctance to do is just actually talk to your
2: opponent well this is this is one of one of the funny things it was about last policy and it's even funny with the questions that I'm seeing on this one one of the, one of the things they were like hey we really feel bad when we I'm gonna say when we scumbag out uh, and, and trick my opponent into missing his triggers and then they immediately follow up with what can I say to be sure that I have tricked him <laughs> yeah. into missing his trigger.
3: If you feel bad about tricking your opponent, then you know don't trick your opponent and he won't feel bad.
2: Right. Well, That's your see, problem. But see the rules allow it. It's just not smart to take the most strategically viable you know advantage of all the things possible to me I just really feel terrible about it, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm a tormented soul. And I
3: totally feel awful about top 8 because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight on my pile of booster packs. <laughs> Uncomfortably. Well,
2: I'd push them over to the side. I mean, they'd probably crinkle and stuff like that and keep you up.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, that. would <laughs> be afraid I'd wake up and find myself sleep-drafting with, like, the worst deck ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> please okay. remind me to tell you a funny story about that after we go off the air. Cool, because <laughs> it's a little obscene. So
3: how please do make we... sure you're still recording as he tells this story. I'm always recording. <laughs> don't worry about that.
1: So how do we fix a church? Like if... CJ's mantra, I'm always recording. I'm like always as soon as recording. we start, as soon as we start the conference, uh, the, the, the phone conference. I, I'm, are you recording? I'm always recording. I'm always
0: recording. I don't know why always. you guys ever ask. It's automatic. So
3: so should we talk about whether we give a penalty? Because that, yes. that is part of the philosophy. Yes.
0: yes, I was trying to get us there. So how do we fix a trigger? If we determine one is missed, how do we fix this? And let's let's start with the penalty.
2: Well in a lot of ways this is this is unchanged from from the last time. So yes. this should yeah. be this should be relatively quick.
3: But there are people it who really although, didn't understand it last a lot of, time. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people asking, they'll point to a card and say, Is that beneficial? Yes and which is not actually what we care about. Yes.
2: It's not it's not it's it's not a boolean good or bad. It is just a hey, is this yeah. bad or you know, cuz there's good triggers, there's bad triggers and then there's this range in the middle that's kind of
1: Meh. Yeah. So the way, the way another judge I know, uh, put it was, we, there are two categories of triggers. There are detrimental triggers and there are everything else. Right, right, and that's exactly it. The ones, you know, not detrimental does not mean beneficial, it does not mean gray area, it's just everything else.
2: It's like when you're talking positive and negative numbers, what's zero? You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. blew my mind.
0: Whoa. What? Okay, so, and what everyone's getting at here, to make it- Zero is a beneficial number. Shut
3: up <laughs> Wait, <you> guys, <laughs> if you try to into account,
0: What if you're losing zero life Or gaining zero life There's a difference
3: it, <laughs> okay. there actually is. If, if you're a programmer There actually are positive and negative zeros In a computer
0: uh, I am a programmer and I have never need to deal with that in my life Little IEEE floats Not deal with that okay. Alright so what everyone's getting around here though Is we use We determine whether or not a trigger is usually Detrimental to determine whether or not To
3: give a warning How we fix it never... Is is that dependent on what's going on in the game? Like, if I forget my dark confidant when I'm at one, does that make it detrimental? No.
2: That makes it an investigation.
3: (laughs) Yes. If you've never forgotten it before. So,
0: yeah. So to be absolutely clear, this doesn't change what we do to fix it, just whether or not we're going to give a warning and whether or not we're going to step in. But it doesn't change the fix at all. A lot of people seem to think that it being detrimental means we're going to change how we fix it. It doesn't apply at all. Uh, and generally detrimental. Uh, we don't need to go through all that again, but like, yeah. uh, vampire lacerator is generally, des- de- uh, generally detrimental. Uh, now, one of my one of the changes here is that we obviously we can't take game state into account, but we can take how that trigger would affect the player. And this this applies. I'm sorry, how a symmetrical trigger would affect the player. And this this applies to like howling mine, which says at the beginning of your draw step, you draw a card. Yeah. So if I miss it on my turn, well, that's not very detrimental, right? Like, that's fine. You know, I've been punished. I missed it. But if I fail to mention my Howling Mind Trigger, which makes you draw a card, that's good for me, or it would be generally detrimental for you to get to draw a card. So we can give the warning in that situation.
2: Right. And, and, well, and probably the opponent's just going to draw his card. Yes. You know, draw the card anyway and not give you the opportunity. Like maybe something like a, a sulfuric vortex. Yes, you know, at the be- yeah. which is at the beginning of each player's upkeep, sulfuric vortex deals two damage to that player. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, untap, draw. Yeah. Uh, no, but on your no. pon- yeah, but on your opponent's turn, if you went, if he just went, you know, untap, you know, paused for a second, you know, made eye contact with you, glared a little bit, and then you're card. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's
2: fine.
0: And, and, and to, along those same lines, you can't-
3: And you are, it's important to point out that your opponent can't cause your sulfuric vortex to be missed by drawing a card. Yes, exactly. Right. That's, what I was that's,
2: say. Why, that's why I added the glare, yeah. a little, the
0: glare a little bit. Yeah, they can't just like rush through
3: it. Yeah, cause, cause if, you know, if you don't give me enough time to point out my trigger before you go to draw your card, then I still get my trigger. And there's actually no penalty. In fact, the IPG specifically says, separate from from this penalty philosophy, that there's no, at least it used to. I think it still does. It says what? Used to be, maybe, yeah, it is. What yeah, are we section on, uh, yeah, it, <clears throat> for example, if a player draws a card during his draw step without allowing an opponent to have oh, okay. awareness. Yes. The controller still has the opportunity to fulfill the obligation at that point. Yes, exactly. All so, right. like, we're probably not even going to get into the warning there because it's going to be on tap draw. Hey, wait, you took two.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, James, tackle the first the first type of fix we have here because you talked about it earlier.
3: Right. So if if this triggered ability specifies a default action associated with a choice made by the controller, resolve it choosing the default option. And that has so, changed. But, yeah. So this would be something like you know I have uh, I have a master core that I have to pay upkeep on or it dies, or an echo, or yeah, whatever. And I just move right past that without paying. We just assume that, uh, we're, we're going to apply the default action and it dies. So there's also that this is also what causes you to lose when you forget to pay for your pact. Yep. We, we don't give you the opportunity to pay for it and put the trigger on the stack. We just say, oh, well, the default action is you lose the game.
0: Does it matter if a turn or
3: anything has passed? No. Does it? No. No. It doesn't. These abilities do not expire. Right. So what's the remedied no matter how much time has passed? Yeah.
0: But what's the other kind of trigger in the, in this category? Cause that's the one you were wanting to talk about earlier.
3: The, uh, the trigger is a delayed triggered ability that changes the zone of an object to resolve it.
2: So this is, yeah. comes in, you know, sacrifice, sacrifice your, yeah. your, your token.
3: Yeah. Your, Exile your Geist token or whatever. Well, I was thinking Kiki jiki cause EDH is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah no, there's
2: so many competitive. Yeah, my, my competitive shush, shush, shush. Details, details.
0: Yeah, the one I was asking people this weekend was if I have obsidat the Ghost Council, and I choose to exile him at my instep, and then I forget to bring him back, you know, what happens? And that was under old policy. But under new policy, if you forget to bring him back, the moment that people realize, hey, this guy should have come back, we have an option there. Well, what is the option? The opponent chooses...
3: Whether to resolve the ability immediately or at the start of the next phase. Yeah. So this is actually really important because, like with you know obsidat or stuff like that, it means that you can't suddenly remember a trigger and surprise thing out of nowhere.
2: Oh, I got a blocker. Blah.
3: Yeah. So so your, your opponent can just say, "I choose to have this happen at the start of the next phase."
2: So this is kind of weird in the sense of when you normally think of like you know the geist tokens and stuff like that, where we're getting rid of the guy and I forgot it. It gets rid of it. Now or echo, you know, resolving. They're they, they're bad, but this is actually good. I get yeah. my I get my uh, I'm not even gonna it.
0: The Ghost Council. Yes.
2: Dad. I know. I nobody got Obzedat.
0: In Toby's article, he even never called it Obzedat. He only called it Ghost Council, which I thought was funny. <laughs> ghost Dad. I, I mean, it's good in that case, but in, in like the exiling the uh, the guy to Saint trap Angel, it's
2: it's bad for you. Well, it's it's with making the game like it should be. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're, it would really kind of suck if you got to keep your ghost token or your uh, your uh geist token.
3: Yeah. yeah. And it would suck if you're... And like it, it does seem weird sometimes that, and we'll see this again when we get further down the policy, that we're letting the opponent choose the remedy we're going to apply. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, that, that comes down to basic fairness. Like, we don't want to say, surprise, he gets a blocker out of nowhere. Right. Like, we, we want the opponent to have the option because the opponent didn't do anything wrong when you missed your, your obsidot comes back trigger. Right. <clears> the <throat> opponent has done nothing wrong there. We shouldn't really be hurting him by saying, Oh well, well now, now you're now he gets this really good thing.
2: Yeah. Now in the in the case of the, the angel blocker, let's say that for whatever reason you did forget, now in that particular case the opponent can choose to you know during combat, well no, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of that angel token that we, we just remembered. Yeah. So you know, in, in any way it's, it's the controller of the trigger is the one who forgot. Yeah. Uh, so we are giving the power to the person who did not forget in, in terms of choosing yeah. for the, for these tokens is to choosing when to fix it. Yeah. We still have to fix it, but he's got control, yeah. uh, to kind of help balance out the fairness of it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, this is basically, you know, if we just had a hard line of always have it happen then, we would, we would get some unfortunate cases. Yeah, very. making this, putting this one little choice in there lets us avoid those.
0: And, and just to be absolutely clear on that, there's no expiration on those kinds of triggers. So that's ones with default yep. action or delayed zone trigger. So we could, we could discover that angel that is there four turns later. We're still going to give the opponent the option to get rid of it now or.
2: And, and his three angel buddies because you've been forgetting. <laughs> yeah, because you're really bad at this. And no yeah. noticed.
0: So the next fix we have, though, is if a trigger has a duration whose effect has already expired or if it's been more than a turn, so that's from the phase the trigger happened to that phase again, and you're generally your opponent's turn, we do nothing.
2: So this is unchanged from last time. No,
0: this is completely unchanged. Yep. And so a duration ha- uh, whose effect has already expired is something like uh, uh when this enters a battlefield target creature gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. And then it's your opponent's turn. Well, yeah. the duration was until end of turn. So if it, if it's not one of those two types of triggers, then we just ask the opponent if the opponent wants to trigger on the stack. Once again, this hasn't really changed nope. all, all the usual caveats. You can't, we're going to place it at the appropriate place on the stack or put it on the bottom of the stack. And the player can't make choices involving objects that didn't exist at the time the trigger would have triggered.
2: And, and one other thing that I, I, I think, cause I, I've seen questions about this even today is, well, hey, I noticed the new policy doesn't say anything about May triggers.
0: Yeah, um, neither did the previous policy.
2: Neither, neither did yep. the previous one. It's because it's unneeded now. The, you, you missed your May trigger. Great, your opponent gets to choose whether or not you're going to put it on the stack. Exactly. And he's, and he's probably not unless yeah. something weird like playing with the, you know, phantasmal images and the trigger targets. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. about the only, wow. about the only case that it matters.
0: <laughs> That'd be quite yeah. the setup to get that to happen.
2: Yeah. You forgot your trigger that targets and you have a phantasmal image. Well, I'm going to have you put that trigger on the stack, you know, <laughs> so that you have to target your phantasmal image. Yeah. Wheeze.
3: Yeah. And a lot of the time th- this is. Common sense, and it does lead to asking some fun questions. At GP Chicago, I got to literally ask someone, "Would you like your opponent's extra turn trigger from Emercool to be put on the stack
1: yeah.
3: now?" <laughs> yeah, I always ask, but a guy, guy just looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah,
2: I had I had at a PTQ. The the judge got a call regarding missed triggers. He looked at the opponent and asked his opponent asked the opponent if he wanted the trigger on the stack. The player immediately appealed. <laughs> okay. Saying that the judge was coaching and then tried to, tried to tell me that the way it worked was he, he just, what is it? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was basically something like he had to, he, the active player had to just try to do the trigger and then the opponent had to stop him and oh. tell him that he couldn't. And that was the way that it worked. Is like, <laughs> no. I don't know How you get there? I don't oh. even know either. But he, he I,
3: just... I love, I love remedies that are supplied
2: by by people who your
3: judges are me. calling a judge. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I have I have a player at my local store who always tells me about his friend who is a judge <laughs> who who of course always disagrees with the rulings I make. Um, who was that mysterious judge? <laughs> right. I have no idea who this guy is, but he has a friend who is a judge, according to him. He was and... a mask. He's secretly Zorro. Oh, right. No. Uh, so with the emerical ruling, when you asked if they wanted the extra turn, did you manage to keep a straight face? <laughs> I
3: did. Actually, like, I, have, you, have you met me in person? <laughs> I, ha-
2: yeah. I have not. I've He's never seen perpetually- him smile. James Bennett would be great at poker because he's just – there's no facial expressions behind the beard.
1: I'm bad at poker because I'm bad at the math,
3: but yeah, (laughs) I can can keep a straight
1: face. Like, I'm actively trying to find a picture of you that is you smiling to use for the episode, and it's just not working. Nope.
0: And so – our, our rambling signifies that this is the entirety of the trigger policy, right? And and I think a lot of it is actually fairly intuitive, even though there's kind of a lot of text there. I, I think it's supposed to get you an intuitive place of where the trigger should be missed or it's, would have been it's missed.
2: It's pretty much just all defining what we need when we when how to tell if something's missed, how to how to better tell if something's missed. And
3: this really is like if if you if you think about it, like a kitchen table magic game that doesn't have tournament rules and an infraction guide and judges. How are they gonna deal with a missed trigger? Like, so much of what's in this policy is how kitchen table games deal with it. Because it's the intuitive thing. Yeah. Yeah, when is the trigger missed? Okay. What do we do when the trigger is missed? Okay, we do this. Like it takes a lot of words to write it down well enough to actually use this tournament policy, but this is really just the, the same sort of intuitive solutions that, that people have been coming to for
1: a long time. Right. So, and one, one last thing about this that I don't think we've mentioned yet is that in Toby's article, he mentioned that this policy or at least some variation of this policy is going to be moved down to regular REL as well. Uh, so, so we don't have that update yet uh, at this time. But what this means is that moving forward, uh, after Friday, we, you know, you won't have to disqualify players who intentionally ignore their opponent's triggers at Friday Night Magic or any other event.
2: Right. So it's not, it's not Uh, this policy as written, but it's, it's it's the vibe, it's the vibe of, hey, you're used to not pointing out your opponent's triggers at your GPT. Well, you also. Don't have to do that at f and m yeah
3: it's and basically so, what what regular is getting is two things it's getting you can't it's getting you still can't miss your own triggers and you don't have to point out your opponent's triggers. The remedies are still going to be the remedies for regular
1: right. So the, the only thing that, that makes me extremely happy about this is I'm getting I'm so... T- excuse me. I'm getting so tired of my players calling a judge to ask me like their their opponent has clearly missed a trigger and they're calling me over not to ask me about the missed trigger, but to ask me what R.E.L. they we're at. <laughs> yeah. So that they can know whether or not they can ignore it.
0: That's interesting. I never and, thought and about that. And I'm getting that.
1: tired of this judge call. Because a lot of our events are at regular Ariel, so you go, "What are are we at?" Or, We're at regular Ariel. Oh, okay. Well, he missed his trigger. This is competitive Ariel. Oh, okay. Thank you. Wait. <laughs> yeah. And the opponent's like, "Wait, what just happened? Did I do what Right. Exactly. What I exactly. missed. Miss. So I
0: want to I want to <gasps> say what Toby said. The policy is going to be a regular Ariel, with the caveat that uh, A, this is the second time I've used the word caveat in this podcast, where I normally never say that word, and B.
1: We don't, three times.
0: we don't have the judging at regular document yet, so we can't say this is 100% going to be the policy.
3: But well, also don't don't base it on an update to that document. Like don't be holding your breath for a new version of that to come out this week. Right. So
1: basically well, if that doesn't come out, then what policy will we be using at Regulario? Well,
3: amusingly the jar actually I think doesn't even say you're required to point out your opponent's triggers. I think that's in the tournament rules. Because the tournament rules gained a section last time around regarding triggered abilities and who's responsible for them. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's, yeah, it's section four point four Ooh. um of the tournament rules.
2: Yeah. So the competitive and professional players are not required to point out the yeah. existence. so it acts- however,
3: however, the new tournament rules are now up online and now says players are expected to remember their own triggered abilities. players are not required to point out the existence of triggered abilities they do not control. and it okay. doesn't add an enforcement level qualification there. It's just flat policy.
1: okay, okay, that makes sense.
3: So we now have that in the tournament rules. So we have a document that says, this is how triggers work in tournaments, which means we don't really need an update to the jar, which isn't concerned with being that technical. Like, the the jar is written for the guy behind the counter at the store to read.
0: Right, and so if you're at the judge at FNM, the the policy is basically, you know, players no longer need to point out their opponent's triggers. But if the Mm. opponent notices the trigger within a turn and it isn't too disruptive to the game, the judge can go ahead and put it on the stack. So if I have go through, you know, go through my upkeep, draw a card, and then notice, oh, hey, I got stab wound on my opponent's creature, uh, I can go ahead and say, you know, you need to lose two life here.
1: Yep. That's okay.
0: Yeah. But if it's been a whole turn since then, it's too late. And that's basically all there is to it. So forget almost everything we said. It's just that.
1: Yep. So basically the the rule at FNM is, you know, use common sense. Yes. Yeah. That seems fine.
0: Whew. Okay.
1: Now that's Trigger's.
0: There are other changes in the IPG. What? Yes. Nothing as major as triggers.
2: Ooh. These, are the, these
0: are the ones like the removal of hidden information violation last time where people were like, what? When did that happen? Because no one pays yeah. attention to the other changes. But this one's pretty big. It is my understanding that cheating is now completely removed. There's no cheating. So you can now cheat? As much Absolutely. as you want. Absolutely. Well,
3: <laughs> so there is no section in the IPG called cheating. Oh. So
2: it's all GRVs now. Okay. The entire <laughs> section five of the IPG went away. Wow. So Where what happened? Yeah,
3: what, what changed? What's going on now? Well, it turns out we, we gained some new things. Um, so if, if, we, if look, we think
1: they're cheating, we just EQ them. We don't actually use policy. We just. Uh, if we
3: look at section four of the IPG, which is titled Unsporting Conduct, we find there's a couple of new things there. Um, there's one called unsporting conduct cheating. What? Unsporting. Turns out cheating is an unsporting thing to do. Yes. So, and, and this is both, this is mostly like almost everything that used to be cheating. Anything that used to be a manipulation of game materials is going to get under this. Anything that used to be fraud is going to be under this. Peaking. Yeah. Basically, any time you break a rule or lie to a tournament official or notice an offense in your match and you don't say something. And it did actually add a couple of bits to uh, to the criteria. Brian, do you know what those two new bits are?
2: The fact that they have to be aware that they are doing something elite. Yes. Aww. And they must be attempting to gain an advantage from yep. his or her action. <laughs> So if we, so if we don't
3: mean, meet those criteria, and you, you have to get both of those, then it's not
2: cheating. So you have to be trying to, 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 yeah. to gain some advantage, to get something out of it, yeah. and you have to know that it's bad.
1: Yeah. So this means that if I mana weave my deck and present it to my opponent, but I didn't know that was illegal, I'm not going to get to Q4. Yeah,
3: if you didn't know that what you did was illegal, you can't get an Unsporting Conduct Cheating Interaction. You can still get other infractions, just not this specific one.
2: Now, we're, we're, we're gonna have, you know, there's going to be situations where, you know, judge, I didn't know that this was, uh, this was illegal. I, I didn't know that, you know.
3: And amazingly, that would be a case of someone
2: lying, lying. to a tournament official
3: yes. to gain advantage and being aware that they're lying.
2: Yes. I didn't know that the, that, that pile shuffling in piles of five, the double nickel shuffle was, I didn't even, what? Oh, I didn't say double nickel. I didn't even <laughs>
3: think. Yeah, you're, you're going to get DQ'd for that. That
1: will earn you the yes. unsporting conduct cheating. And, uh, what about like, actually the
3: college? I can see the awkward things.
1: argument. I could see the awkward argument. I didn't know lying to a judge was illegal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's one
3: of the things that, like, sometimes can be so helpful Yeah, yeah. you you may not have the evidence right at the start that they did the thing that you're investigating, but then during the investigation, they just straight up lie to you. Yeah, that helps. That helps.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it does. But what about stalling?
3: There is now, in fact, an infraction called unsporting conduct stalling.
0: What? I had no idea. I was just breaking it up randomly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And this is basically literally just stalling, but saying unsporting conduct stalling instead of cheating
2: stalling. And I guess it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if you were going to move, if if you were going to get rid of a section, you know, then you yeah. have to take stalling with it and get move it into unsporting conduct. But it's, it's like verbatim, right? Did any of the words even change? I don't think so. I don't think even any examples changed or anything. What about rolling dice? That will still get you
3: DQ'd, even if you don't know that it's illegal.
0: Okay. So that one hasn't changed. It.
3: Same, and thing? The same. <laughs> That is still improperly determining a winner.
2: Yeah. And bribery and wagery. I didn't know that, that offering him packs for him to yeah. concede was illegal. I do. Actually, F&M's all improperly sold. determining a winner. Well, oh, sorry. Did change,
3: did change just a little
2: bit. Oh, yeah. to include the, the non-random methods? Yeah. So, well, I mean, even then, it's like we're going to arm wrestle to determine who wins. And yeah. I, you know, I'm a bodybuilder and you're uh, yeah. a 15-year-old uh non bodybuilder <laughs> no, that's body. probably not so random, like most body like most fifteen year olds right, yeah, you know, I work yeah, just
3: think, now it says using an outside the game method instead of using a random method,
2: right, scaring contest,
3: yeah. The way I usually do it, like, when I'm head judging and I make the announcements, like, you can't roll a die, can't flip a coin, can't play rock, paper, scissors, you can't arm wrestle, thumb wrestle, mud wrestle, jello wrestle. I haven't had anybody try to mud wrestle for a match result. Yeah. So I'd like to think that announcement
1: works. Evidence (laughs) would indicate so. All right. Evidence would indicate so. Yeah, that's... (laughs)
0: All right. So since we're clearly done with cheating, I would like to say my most favorite change in the entire IPG. His player communication <laughs> violation has been renamed to communication policy violation.
3: Dun, dun, dun. Why would that be important?
0: Because now, every time there might there is an issue in communication between two players, a judge can't say it was a player communication violation since that section only ever meant that they were violating the communication policy. So now it's a lot yeah. more clear what that means.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who, who may not know or maybe new to the judging game, it, it has been a very common thing for any infraction that involves players communicating, whether or not it was a player communication violation, for people to jump in and say, oh, this must be a player communication violation, yes. simply because the name of the viola- of the infraction was misleading.
2: I let out a sigh and said, so, and my opponent thought I said, go, and so he started untapping Clearly mm-hmm. we had a communication problem. Right. So yeah. he should, somebody should be getting a player communication but no.
0: And and we have a whole episode on that. So if you're really interested yep. in that you can go listen to that episode. Let's uh let's talk about the very few MTR changes and then we'll get onto our emails. These were fun. First, there's going to be some more bros wearing red shirts at an event. What's that all about at
2: GPs and then I
0: guess maybe the Pro Tour.
2: There's going to be some appeals judges. What? Yep. Some appealing judges. Appealing <laughs> judges. So there's gonna be, there's gonna be, uh, one or more extra red shirt judges, red shirted ensigns running around. Uh, please don't, please don't kill them.
0: That
2: would get a DQ, yes. Yes, if you kill a judge in a red shirt. But he's supposed to die, that's why he's there. So this is, this is for judges when you make a ruling and you get appealed. Uh, you may look for your nearest friendly neighborhood redshirt judge and grab him and bring him over and explain to him and treat him just like you would any other head judge with that, in that regard.
3: So Brian, can, can I, I'm head judging a PTQ on Saturday. Like if I get busy, I, I can just say that some other L2 is my appeals judge for this PTQ, right?
2: Uh, this is... GPs and stuff, isn't it? I mean, you, all are, you already you yeah. have the ability, you already have the ability to de- designate uh, a proxy a, a proxy. So, you know, if you're like, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah. And
3: sure. the, the, this is, this is a little different role and it's really only going to be at professional level events. Right. Like the, the tournament rules specifically say grand prix and pro tours and with prior approval. Right
2: well and and you got you got to think that the only the only time you ever see judges in Red shirts is at GPs and yep. and pro tours yep so uh what, you guys don't wear your red shirts at the
1: PTQs? You have a red well, shirt? you can, but that is
2: actually... <laughs> no, I don't have a red shirt. <laughs> that actually is when players have the permission to to use their phasers on you.
3: Yeah. At <laughs> the PTQ. So this actually, like, I've seen this kind of done, and it works well. Like, if you've ever worked a GP with either Lems or Richter as head judge and the other one there... Mm-hmm they they kind of have that ability to hand off to each other very cleanly, and they have a good dynamic with that. <clears> yeah. I can't and see why this so you, wouldn't work.
0: Like, the, yeah. the appeals judge and, and is,
2: so you, you get a good event, yeah.
0: Yeah, the appeals judge is probably always going to be someone that could have head-judged the event anyway. Yeah. So Yeah, it's
2: like fours and fives.
0: Yeah.
3: So. Yeah, it's basically... It's going to be somebody who, you know, has a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> which is a pretty exclusive club. That is an exclusive club. So...
0: The, the text about having, uh, three minutes for pregame procedure, that was removed. This was, there was no good segue here. No. (laughs) So yeah, what's all, what's that all about? Means I can take 10 minutes to shuffle now. No.
2: No. Oh, so we're jumping, we're jumping back to IPG?
3: No, this is in the MTR. Yes, this is a turn where rules change.
2: Okay. But it was an example The
3: IPG may have
2: accidentally
3: not caught up with this yet. Yeah, that's actually true. Sigh. Sigh.
0: I guess, I guess the basic summary of this is, they're no longer giving an exact quantity of time, but if you as a judge feel like they're spending too much, too much time on pregame procedure, you can still
3: slow play. Yeah. Like you, if somebody spent more than three minutes shuffling, you could definitely give them a slow play. Right. It's just, you don't have to stand over them with a stopwatch now to give them, give them that infraction. Like, you don't have to give them the full three minutes. Yeah. If if you believe they're taking too long, like I think we've all heard stories of a player who sits there and watches the time and presents at, like two fifty nine. Yeah.
1: That would that would be stalling, right? Like, yeah. That's pretty much always stalling in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Basically
3: removing the idea that there is a set amount of time that you're entitled to. Yeah. Right. Clears up a lot of that just automatically.
0: And finally, bloodbraid elf and seething song are banned in modern. That's big news to other people, but this is... That's big news to me. It's huge news to me. Does this affect your judging in any way? I don't know about you Does guys. Does it affect my judging? Of... Actually, yes.
1: I, I judge modern, modern tournaments. So... I, I have like five modern tournaments a month that I judge, so... Yeah,
0: but make sure Actually... those cards aren't there anymore the end.
1: I will get so many fewer cascade questions except for the one guy who plays Living End.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what's even less relevant to us is Empty the Warrens, shot and Invigorate have been banned on Magic uh, the Gathering Popper Online. Magic the Gathering Online Popper. Yeah, there we go.
2: Man, that's gonna affect, I had a online Popper competitive GPT this weekend that I was going <laughs> to...
0: Well, the whole meta's those just Those are the
2: best. Sense. Oh, I don't know how long... Now, the great thing about have, judging those events when they're online is the deck lists are really easy to count, because they're all printed up nice and neat for you. And you don't have to do anything to judge it. Well, yeah, that that too. There's never a missed trigger. So it's just competitive.
1: I was going to say, I'm considering at my like weekend competitive events, like... Giving a pack to the few people, just a random extra pack to the few people that do type their decklist, just to encourage more people to do it. I've nice.
2: done that. I have, I have done that. I have made announcements, uh, at the beginning of round two, congratulating yeah. people for yeah. impe- impeccable penmanship.
3: <laughs> yeah. I also like, the, the really tricky one is you can't congratulate somebody for playing mono red, but you want to, because <laughs> yes. that decklist is four, four. Four, I love that so much, four.
0: and they actually play like twenty-something mountains instead of you know
3: yeah, four, yes.
0: non-basic four, non-basic four, non-basic. I love
3: those guys. What non-basic lands am I running unless it's like wasteland? I know. And legacy, even, even
0: that. And this was alluded to a few times, but just to be clear, this all of this policy, a, only applies to competitive and professional REL. Uh, See,
3: except, except for, for the this,
0: change to regular. Except for the stuff we said about regular, and b, it is effective Friday, February eighth, which uh, should be right around when this episode comes out. But just in case we get it out early, it may not be effective. Check your local calendar.
2: Check your local
0: listings. Check your local
3: listings for additional information. So if you are playing in a in an F and M Friday night, you don't have to remind your opponent of his triggers. You're playing a PTQ this weekend. You get the shiny new policy. Yes. And if you're at a GP this weekend, there may be an appeals judge wandering around. Fancy. All
0: right, let's get into our emails. Finally, we have we have quite a few because we didn't answer all of them last week uh, last episode due to uh. the, the pre-release content.
2: Oh, we're going, we're going all the way, oh wow, okay. We're going all the way, oh, all the way back. Alright,
3: James, can you give us a big mail time? And I'm trying to think silence. of something amusing I can say other than that. <laughs> I was going for a big trouble in a little China court.
2: <laughs> I know you are. It's all in the reflexes. <laughs> it's gonna take crackerjack timing,
0: Brian. <laughs> Good enough. So a couple episodes ago, we mentioned uh, alternate ways to play Magic, and one of the things we mentioned was having your deck be your your life total, right? So if you took damage, you milled that many cards. Uh, Jake Jones sent us an email mentioning just a few games where your library is your life total. He says the the best one that came to mind was Star Wars CCG from Decipher, and WWE Raw Deal from Comic Images. He says both games are really good at the time they were around. I mostly only read this to mention that there was a WWE card game at some point.
3: Everything has been a card game at some point. That makes me
2: laugh so much.
0: Uh. Our, our next mail comes from Jeffrey Dyer. He says, uh twice on live streams, one from a GP, one from an SCG open. I've seen people cast a brainstorm for one mana illegally when their opponent had Thalia. 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 Uh, and then they didn't have a second source of mana available. Uh, in both cases, they drew the three cards before their opponent caught them and called a judge. In both cases, according to Jeffrey, the judge had them put three random cards back and then shuffled their library. And then he goes on to say that he doesn't really like that that solution to this. Can anyone say why he wouldn't like that solution?
1: Well, uh, probably because he feels like it should be drawing extra cards uh, as the infraction.
2: Well, he probably also doesn't like the the shuffling. It's the shuffling, which, yeah. which is incorrect.
1: It is technically incorrect, yes.
0: So, okay, so first off, why isn't this drawing extra cards? I mean, he drew extra
1: cards. Well, there was a GRB immediately prior. That was not paying the correct cost for for Brainstorm plus Thalia. Right. If if the game rule violation
2: is the drawing of the extra card, then it's drawing extra cards. But if something else... Led to it, right. you know. I mean, yeah. we, we've we've talked about we've talked about in previous episodes where the line is yes, and the line is right before you draw that card.
1: And so, if, how if something
2: else bad happened?
0: How should we resolve this? Right, we, we uh, determine it's a gamer be,
1: violation. Right, so we determine it's a gamer violation. The correct fix is to. Uh, rewind the game state, which it sounds like this judge was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to keep the integrity of the game by making the deck then ran- uh, random because it was supposed to be unknown. He was treating it like looking at extra cards. But in this case, when you rewind the game state, you put the cards back on top of the library, uh, random cards back on top of the library and then undo any costs and put the brainstorm back in his hand and you continue to play and you don't shuffle.
2: It's, it's pretty dis, it is pretty disruptive to put, uh, put, st- Put three random cards from your hand uh back on top of your library and then shuffle them away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very, yeah, that's awkward.
0: So yeah, don't do that, judges. Just, just put the three back on top. Yeah. Okay. They could gain some advantage from it if they have like a fetch land, but that's not what we're looking at. We're just well, trying
3: to, it is important to point out, you know, you know, just to reiterate why we're not giving a game loss here. Cause like there are cases where we can upgrade a GRV into a game loss, right? And if it was drawing extra cards, it would be a game
2: loss. Right. But in this particular case, the opponent actually had an opportunity because the, the casting of the spell and the tapping of the mana was visible to the opponent. Mm -hmm. It had the opportunity to be caught. It might have been, it might have been a small window, but there was still a window.
3: We can definitely say that both players have at least screwed up a little bit here to get us to this point. Yeah. And generally, anytime we're trying to fix a situation that's already screwed up like that, there's very rarely going to be a perfect solution. So, okay. You do what you can. Do what you got to do.
0: Our next mail comes from Spencer Arhina. Arhina. He just wanted to know if he got a certain scenario right. He says he plays show and tell, which I guess should read. I should read it. It basically says each player can choose an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from their hand and put it onto the battlefield. The board is currently empty of any non-land permanents. Both me and my opponent choose a card from our hand and reveal it. They are Oblivion Ring. They are both Oblivion Rings. The show and tell finishes resolving, putting them both into play. Both O-Rings trigger. Triggers are now put on the stack with targets. Since I'm active player, my O-Ring targets his and is put on the stack, and his O-Ring targets mine and is put on on the topmost part of the stack his o-ring trigger resolves exiling my oblivion ring since my oblivion ring has not yet exiled anything the trigger from it leaving the battlefield does nothing now my trigger resolves exiling his o-ring his o-ring has a trigger when it leaves the battlefield to return my o-ring to the battlefield so the final end of this should be his oblivion ring will be entering the battlefield and uh it'll trigger again although it sounds like there's nothing to target but he wants to know you know is that the end of the sequence is that how this is going to resolve his is in in play with nothing to target and the answer is yes because he he everything he said was correct so there's not much to discuss here yep but i thought it was worth reading
2: it's kind of hard from a from a podcast situation from an audio uh, auditory like I can yes. imagine a lot of people like at work listening to this and then all of a sudden they're just hearing words, 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 trigger, trigger, trigger. I don't understand. But the best thing to probably do for those of you playing at home is get two oblivion rings and then just kind of set them down and, and, and just kind of walk through the yes. sequence of events. Yes.
1: Or well, this mur-
3: is the same principle as like, um, you know, last block we had people wanting to like cloud shift a fiend hunter in response to enter the battlefield trigger. <clears throat> And that will end up permanently exiling something. And that's going to be the same principle here. We're going to have one of these O-rings gone forever.
0: Right. All right, our next mail comes from Lee. Oh, Lee. You said so much, Lee.
2: Wow, this is long.
0: In episode 56... (laughs) You talked about tournament shortcuts, and you mentioned the example in NPR 4.2 that essentially treats any statement of intention to go to combat as saying that you're passing priority until the defending player has priority in the beginning of combat. Set. He says, given that the shortcut includes the case where the active player says, go to the beginning of combat, how does the active player successfully deviate from this? And you know what? Without reading all of his stuff, just to get real quick, how do you deviate from trying to go into combat? Like, how do you go into com- into the beginning of combat step where you have priority?
2: I, I think you, you need to be very, very explicit about it. I would like to go to the beginning of combat, uh, or I would like to pass priority out of the main phase into the beginning of combat step. I mean, in this particular case, he actually did come up with a, uh, a, a card that has, uh, an at the beginning of combat trigger. So it's, yeah. it's. Relevant, like normally, the only reason that you would ever try to do this kind of thing is to do something is to be trying to take advantage of, of a misunderstanding of where you are. Yeah. Uh, but in this, in this, the the card that he has is a, a Desecrator Demon, which has an at the beginning of each combat trigger. So in that particular case, I would say beginning a combat step trigger. And you know, you know, point to the desecrated demon. Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty clear indication of where you are at that point.
0: Yeah, and, and to be clear, you when you say you know combat or whatever, you're offering to go to where your opponent has priority in the beginning of combat step, and that means that like, if anything triggers, it still triggers. It's just where your opponent has priority after it triggered and went on the stack. Yeah. So you can still you know do whatever you need to do there.
2: Or, or you could you could even say like I'd like to go to this point with this trigger on the stack and I'm retaining priority.
3: Yeah. And you you don't even really have to be that technical. You you can just say, um, you know, I want to be at the point where I have priority and beginning of combat step.
2: Yeah. Like that's that's fine. Yeah. Because you have you have a val you have a valid reason to be there.
3: Yeah. And and this is really like this is what I was saying earlier about triggers. Just communicate with your opponent. Just tell them what's going on.
0: Yeah. That helps in most forms of the game. I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Our next mail comes from Matt. He says, hey, Judge Cass, I just started listening to your show a few days ago, but I am already a big fan, so by now he's been listening for like
2: two weeks. So the question is, when he says he just started listening, did he start listening to like the old episodes with Sean and Ricky or the newer episodes? Yeah,
0: that's always awkward when they're like, oh, I started from the beginning and think you guys are great, and it's like, well, Um, you don't know yet, do you?
2: (laughs) uh Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Hope you don't change your mind. Things are going to take
1: a turn for you, buddy. <laughs> so th- th- this is why I thought maybe when we restarted, we should have been like episode you know, 2.1 or, you know, and then 2.2 and 2.3. And so it's like kind of put a starting <laughs> point Judge in this we'll episode one. That's all right. I think like Monday Night
2: Magic
0: has completely changed toasts at this point. We just,
2: we just need to get J.J. Abrams in here to help us with the reboot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and so, and add some yeah. lens flare to our podcast. <laughs>
0: right. Alright. He says he's a newish player with, with good general rules knowledge, but occasionally has problems doing rules, dotting, oh, dotting my rules I's and crossing my rules T's. That's tough to, to, I read. I have in trouble
1: text. with all those rules I's and T's as yeah, well. Yeah, so many
0: rules oh. eyes and T's. A uh, question, he says his question today is an example of this. He understands that gifts ungiven, hold on, let me read gifts ungiven. Search your library for four oh. cards with different names and reveal them. Target opponent chooses two of those cards. Put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Uh, he says, allows me to find and reveal two cards only so that I, I can control which cards my opponent chooses to go to the graveyard. However, he doesn't exactly understand why. Could someone explain that?
1: To well, that? there's two things going on here. The first one is that, that as... Our listeners may know, Gifts Ungiven, and I think almost all of the cards, if not all of the cards that were worded similarly, were errata in the last As of Gate Crash, as of, yeah. As of Gate Crash. Uh, yep. they now, now all say up to four cards. So this isn't even technically a rules issue anymore. Oh um, yeah, that's a great because, point. Because they they the cards actually just say this is what you can do. Um, prior to them saying that, you could technically get away with it because of the loophole uh, in the way we handled searching a hidden zone for cards with a specific quality. Uh, If you were to search a zone for a card with a specific quality and your opponent couldn't see that zone... Such as your library or your hand. The only way for your opponent to be confirm that you didn't have that card when you said, oh, I can't find it would be to call a judge and have the judge go through your deck to confirm that it actually wasn't there. And that's, that's unreasonable and also doesn't work for kitchen table magic. So, so we just have had this rule that said that if you're searching for a card and that card has to meet a certain criteria, such as different name or land or something like that, that you can just say, "I will fail to find it. I can't find it in my deck," and it lets you. The game lets you do that. Um, but now, GIFs has been quote-unquote fixed so that it says up to four cards.
3: Yeah. As we're, has, uh, by we're the there way, were seven cards.
1: that got. <laughs> there's, actually, that there's actually more than seven that got that treatment. There were, seven, I think, there were seven in the list. But there were also yes. more given that treatment in the same update. Okay. Because um, uh, I went to look some up. I'm like, this doesn't include this card or this card. And, and there were, they had already been given those erratas. I was looking at the
3: uh, list of what it said was affected.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's, I thought that cool list was bad short. Bad, you're not you. listing all the yeah, – But it also – like uh, I think it's Realms Uncharted um, yeah. was not on the list. And that also got the –
3: Cultivate, treatment. I would imagine, got
1: it. Yeah.
2: Now, here,
3: reach about it, so Cultivate should have.
2: Now, one of the one of the interesting things, like we we talk about this being a a loophole with Gifts Ungiven, right? And we're saying, well, they probably wouldn't wouldn't template it this way because they really didn't mean for it to be a I'm gonna search my library for two cards and discard them and then get this awesome effect, completely bypassing my opponent's ability to 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 pick and choose with a card like Signal the Clans from Gate Crash. It actually has the, the, the searcher library for three creature cards and reveal them. Okay. So that's something that, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to find three. You could find one or two. Okay. But then it says, if you reveal three cards with different names, choose one of them at random. So you can't like, do like a gifts ungiven thing where it's like, Hey, I'm searching. I'm only finding one card and Hey, I'm putting one at random in my hand. So yeah. they, that, they kind of, that does not work. Right. So they've 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 added wording on a on a on a similar uh, a similar type card to prevent those uh, uh, gifts ungiven shenanigans.
0: And you know, while we're talking about signal the clans real quick, because I've seen this question a lot, you do show your opponent which card you're going to put in your hand. We didn't mention that in the previous show, and I don't I didn't think that would be an issue with people, but apparently they think that you like put them face down. Choose one randomly and then put that one in your hand. So your opponent get, doesn't get to know which one actually went in your hand, but nothing says to do that. So you don't do that. It stays revealed the whole time you're choosing one randomly.
2: Right. So right. So
0: it. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this next one because it is easy and I'm trying <laughs> to keep us moving along. It's from John Reasoner. It's about the uh, pre-release it's, or it's a question about the pre-release. He went and asked a question about Evolve. He says he's a long time listener, first time caller in italics and the question mark. Uh, and he's a level one from outside Houston, Texas, and he just finished listening to episode number fifty-seven. So his question: If I have a two-two evolved creature on the battlefield and then cast Corsar's Accord, which uh puts it effectively puts two three-three centaur tokens down, he says I realize I now have two evolved triggers on the stack. If I simply allow the triggers to resolve, uh, resolve, then the intervening if clause on the second trigger would cause it to be uh, he says counter. Now that's actually incorrect. It would actually be removed from the stack and do nothing. But everything he's saying right now is, is correct. So his question is: If I were to giant growth the centaur token being looked at by the second evolve trigger, would that then satisfy satisfy the intervening if and allow my creature to evolve twice into a four four? He says I believe that doing this would end up the way I would like, but realize I could be easily mistaken. And the answer is yes, you can do that because your creature was a two two, causing both evolve triggers to trigger at the exact same time. They both go on the stack. You can have one resolve, and before the other one resolves, you can make that centaur. Bigger than the creature, than the 2-2 Evolve, or now 3-3 Evolve, doesn't matter. And you will get your additional counter. He says, I love the show. Y'all do a great job of keeping the rules interesting and informative. Judge JudgeCast had a decisively large role in helping me pass my L1 test, for which I thank all of you. Keep up the good work.
2: I like hearing those. those
0: I like comments. this guy. He's nice. I like hearing those. We have a couple of entries about a contest that Jess kind of came up with out of nowhere. <laughs> Literally a contest. It was an interaction point. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're actually gonna hold on to those and discuss them next episode. So what was that situation again?
1: So the situation is you have Vesuvian stage in play, and it copies. it's copying, uh, you activate its ability to copy a cabinet of souls. And you say after the, your opponent goes, okay, that resolves. You go, I'll name these. Is your opponent obligated to tell you that, that, that the card does not work that way, if, if assuming they know? Yeah. Or can they just let you go on thinking that your beasts will be uncounterable off of Thespian's stage uh, until it comes up? And so that's the question. Are they required, are they required to, to point it out to you that your card doesn't work the way you think your card works when you say, I'll name beasts?
0: And that's the question. So email your response to JudgeCast at gmail.com, But we're going to hold off to discuss that until the next show.
1: We have had several right. entries already, so several I'm looking forward, looking forward to see what other people, what's that?
0: I said several is a word that technically describes it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I
0: am looking forward to seeing
1: more. So anyway.
0: Yeah, I guess contest isn't the right word because I don't think there's a prize.
1: We didn't actually. Ever, I don't think we could have a prize, but a lot of people have been, like I've had people come up to me and be like, Oh, so about that judge cast thing. I keep telling them, email it. Yeah. Email um, it. pride is on
2: the line. Pride. Pride. All more right. valuable than any prize we could give,
0: really. Our next mail comes from Chris Otwell, the father of NTGCast. Cast.
1: I love this one.
0: <laughs> he says on the Judge Cast podcast recently, y'all missed the most important the more important aspect of the Bloodlust br- 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 blood <laughs> <laughs> Everything just fell apart there. <laughs> Uh, I know,
3: there's something wrong with your face.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, he says it's still a creature card in every zone, regardless of how the card is used. He Since hints, the players can't blood rush a creature with protection from creatures during a game. He says a loss around around his store uh, because of a quote-unquote bad ruling on that during a sealed deck match. He's able to set the the judge state w- straight later, but he lost due to that. And it is correct. We did not bring up the interaction of blood rush plus. That aura that gives something protection from creatures. Uh,
1: Holy Mantle. So Holy Mantle. apparently the more important aspect of Blood Rush is its specific interaction with Holy Mantle. Oh. Um, and <laughs> so that we didn't bring it up. Sorry, we forgot. <laughs> uh, for all the players out there who tried to Blood Rush under their creature with Holy Mantle, I'm very sorry. So so this but is I don't understand what's that.
0: I was gonna say this is one of those issues where like if you're um just Joe player at the pre release, it seems obvious, right? It's like of course I can't blood rush onto something with protection from creatures. I feel like this is one of those things where you're like experienced L one, you know, maybe near right. L two
2: and this- <laughs> Cause you're like, it says creature, and I know that creature refers to, cre- to creatures on the battlefield. Because if it was talking about things off the creatures off the battlefield, it would say creature card. Exactly. And yeah, it turns out that this, this happens is to be exception an exception. To that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it even says in the rules, this is an exception.
1: <laughs> so if you listen, if you happen to listen to, uh, to Judge Gas North, you might hear them answer this question as well uh Chris actually sent this to CJ he told e, on us he did <laughs> no, no, no he t- he sent it to Sean. everybody like he sent it to Shon sent it to CJ's sent it to Judge cast email sent it to Sean. sent it to uh to the... Charlotte Sable, to Lansdell. Send it to Jose. Send it to uh the Dutch cast. North email. Like he just like land blasted this email <laughs> and talking about how we missed this super important thing that and because it's going to come up regularly it, it, and it doesn't come. Well, I don't understand. Like it's. I'm sorry that he lost a game because of this, um, but it's it's it can.
2: I, I if you just if you if you just change the word if you just change more to a. You know. Missed an important aspect of it, then it's fine. Yeah. So, it's, it's Chris, we tease. We, we appreciate all the hard Please work.
1: Don't take our show down. Yeah, we do, we do. I was just, I was just surprised by this email. We love you. Yeah, I was just, I was just surprised. Like, it, it felt like he was blaming us for the fact that he had a judge rule it directly in his match. I wonder if that judge listens to us. I have no idea. I'd like His
0: to
2: name. find out.
1: He didn't bring that up. Like, that would have been... Like, he, he said, oh, this judge listens to the judge casting because you didn't bring it up. Like, that would be a thing, but...
2: It said Scandinavian judge, Uter... Uter... Juj?
1: What? <laughs> the the other, other judge. The other judge. Oh, the other judge. Order, order judge, yes.
2: That continuity, man. All right, last question. Let's do it. Last email. This has lots of parts.
0: It does. It's from Brian. From it's like an essay question from <laughs> college. From Lancaster, PA. He says, "Too quick, I hope, questions for you. I recently finished judging a c o g p d It really is. It's numbered and has letters... Right. Like <laughs> I recently just finished judging a sealed GPT at a local game store. Uh, this is my first instance of judging at a competitive REL sealed event and wanted to know. Compare and contrast the Polk administration <laughs> to the Andrew Jackson administration. What? Um, okay, A, when doing deck checks for sealed events, what do you normally check? The main deck only? Main deck and all the sideboard? So guys, what do you
1: check at a sealed event? When doing deck checks for the sealed event? Yeah. Um, I mean, if at all possible, if at all possible, check both. But I know a lot of judges that that, uh if they're pressed for time won't. I don't like that. I don't like I I like to check both. But
2: Uh, if you're judging if you're judging by yourself Yes, exactly. Okay, if you're judging if you're judging by yourself, then then you can I don't want to say take shortcuts, but check the main deck, check bombs in the sideboard, uh, or, or the power, you know, power commons or something like that, that kind of thing. If you have time, do, do a full deck check. But if you're, if you're running up against, uh, and it's just, it's just like at a regular event, like if you're somehow taking a very long time to do a deck check, you just finish up as much as you can and send it back to the players.
0: And I agree with that. Uh, his next question is: Is there any written information about doing a competitive REL draft? And he says that they ran a call draft, but it was the first time for both of them. Uh, do the players need to be randomly seated, even though number one plays number eight and so forth? Uh, does the draft deck need to have a registration sheet? What other little nuances would you recommend? So I think part of this is described in the in the tournament rules, is it not?
1: Yeah, there's a significant the, there's part of this is yeah. described in the tournament rules. And additionally, your TO should be giving you a copy of an email he has that should explain all of this for a Grand Prix trial. Yep. So if they don't have that, then maybe they didn't get it, but it should be explained uh, in the Magic Tournament rules.
0: But, like, how to Um, seat them is definitely in there, because I've had to look it up every time.
2: Now, if you get get the PDF version, some of the, uh, like, the Android and the mobile app devices and stuff like that will have... The text, but it won't have the pictures. Oh, you need that picture. You know, so go go on the Wizards website, go to the the the, the, the where the policy documents are and stuff like that, and get that section with the pictures. Look at it because uh, you're not going to get it on like uh, several of the the mobile apps.
0: Uh, he also asks what is what are our favorite events to judge, constructed or limited, and why. And my quick answer is uh, legacy constructed and. I'm saying not limited because limited has more overhead with less interesting rulings. So it's not as fun for me. Do you guys have anything that disagrees with that? I love free like, man. Uh, oh yeah, I Pru really like so fun. Yeah. I mean, cause legacy has more I love interesting the rulings. Weird things that happen in Legacy. exactly. Whereas like I just judge standard and it's just like, sorry guys. I already know everything. Can't oh. challenge me. <laughs>
3: it's never boring to be judging, but legacy. Legacy is just one of those formats where you know you're going to see completely off-the-wall things
2: happen. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get the the humility questions. Yeah, you get humility questions. Get I love humility questions. You're going to get somebody asking how Illusionary Mask works. <laughs> yes. Or
3: you, what, what happens if my opponent casts a Batter Skull and I phase out his germ token?
2: I got a banding question. <laughs> So, judge, judge what, what the F is banding? I was
0: gonna say, wasn't the question, how does banding work? Like, that's not good enough. To wrap up, his, uh, other question is basically not really a question. He's just asking us to talk more on the new trigger policy. We just got this email today. And so, there you go, Brian. We did it. Well, I think we could, we could probably do that. Do you guys want to talk about the trigger yeah, policy? Yeah, let's, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna do it as a joke. Cause we'll, we'll be like 30 minutes in before we, we call off the joke. <laughs>
1: Awesome. I think that's, that's the majority of the emails, if not all the emails. That got, is all
0: the um, emails except the ones we said we gonna skipped. Year. Uh, so first off, if you want to contact us or send us rules, questions, emails, anything at all, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. Jane. Yes. Thank you for being on with us. Do you have any contact information, anything like that? You want to mention all your, your redditing? Um, no. I post things on Reddit. You're, you're a big deal on Reddit. You got you got a little tag next to your name and everything.
3: I see lots of people. Actually, it's my job to verify people to get little tags next to their name now. Oh, wow! Give me a tag. Well, you can send me a private message through Judge Apps to confirm your identity to me. Okay. <laughs> the username is CJ Schrader. I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna need like an actual Judge Apps message to confirm that that's the real <gasps> CJ Schrader. If Judge I Apps wanna... worked.
2: I want to get a Reddit account just so I can get the tag and then never use it.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: That, that's what I did in the, in the community forums, right? We can get a special badge or whatever that says we're a judge, and I'm like, yeah, give me that. Then <laughs> <never mind>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, next episode we might have a very special guest on, but I'm hesitant to actually say who it is in case it doesn't show up.
1: It's going to happen. You, you think he's unreliable? Is that what you're saying?
0: No, I'm just – <laughs> sure. I think Brian's unreliable to book him.
1: I
3: hear he, he, he's oh. gone into a seclusive retirement.
2: It's Blossom. <laughs> oh, Blossom, yes. <laughs> next week on a very special Judge
1: Cat. Whoa. Whoa.
2: Blossom reference is great. Blossom. <laughs> Our
1: plan is for the next episode of Judge Cast to not only discuss Thespian stage Awkward corner casiness, but, uh, also to have, uh, Sheldon Mennery on the cast. So if you're interested in what he has to say about his perspective on the judge program and EDH and whatever else it is that he wants to talk about, we please listen in next time because that's going to be kind of exciting. So
2: you can just send us an email. Yeah, send us an email. Or yes,
1: please send us an email. If you have a question for Sheldon, send us an email.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll ask it to
2: him. anything.
1: Uh, mostly well, anything.
2: I'll ask him anything. We might edit it out of the final show, but I'll ask him anything. <laughs> there we go. That's fair. <laughs> It'll be like a bloopers reel like a year from now we'll release the questions we asked Sheldon that he didn't want us to. <laughs>
3: All
0: right, James, thanks again for being on. Sure. You've been a big help because you Always a pleasure. I'll see very well. I'd like to thank all our listeners for continuing to listen. It's difficult to end these shows. It's awkward. Like there's no good segue into the end, so I keep it fair.
1: So you just do it. <laughs> I keep it fair. I keep it fun. Is
2: it getting hot in here?
0: <laughs> Is that another little China whatever reference?
2: <laughs> okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not, if we're not back, back tight, by dawn, call, call, call the president. So, I was at Target the other day, and they had mislabeled for $5 the Blu-ray copy of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> mislabeled
0: or appropriately labeled?
2: Well, no, it was supposed to be seven fifty. Oh, well, then.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's way out of my
2: price range. <laughs> That right there, I was like, snap that up. Almost thought about buying them out just so I could resell them (laughs) because they're so much more valuable.
1: Okay, can you guys hear me?
2: Yeah. Yes, we can.
1: Awesome. I can hear you guys. Sorry about that. I was trying to... I, I had the wrong speaker set up, and you guys were coming out through the wrong speakers, and then I switched it over, and nothing was coming out, and that's... That sounds terrible. It's so terrible. <clears throat> the life of somebody with first-world problems.
3: Uh, you know, like I told my last wife, says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes.
2: Oh. Oh, speaking... Let me show you... <laughs> what? He's, he's doing more, he's a uh, big trouble little child. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in so long. You, sir, are a worse person.
3: That, that's gonna be a running theme, like I'm trying to figure out a way to say crackerjack timing as I explain by <laughs> PG.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Oh, James Bennett always says at a time, like... <laughs> this is gonna well, be uh, the episode eight I could see.
3: Our magic rules manager grabs your neck. <laughs> was it taps
2: the back of your famed,
3: favorite? Slams the back favorite of, favorite of your favorite head, head. head against the barroom wall. <laughs> he looks you crooked in the eye and he asks you if you paid your dues. You just stare that big sucker right back in the eye and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Yes. If you paid
1: your dues, Jack. Yes, sir. The checks in the mail. I'd, I'm gonna at I, some point. I've never seen this film. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. At some point, I'm gonna
2: you're gonna say something uh, something about the policy, and I'm gonna be like. You mean oil? And you go, no,
3: black blood of the earth. So Chinese got a lot of hells.
2: Chinese do, uh, I will hang you. They'll send you to the hell where you're hung upside down and skinned alive.
3: The hell of being cut to pieces.